0: thanks for listening to another episode of the jam podcast i'm andy khan and jam is a partner of osiris media the podcast network for music this episode features my interview with devinder banhart and noah georgson i recently spoke to them about their excellent new album refuge which came out earlier this month we'll hear that in just a bit after taking a moment to talk about the sad news of the death of the rolling stones drummer charlie watts the 80 year old legendary musician passed away earlier this week in london Watts had previously announced a plan to sit out the Stones' upcoming tour while recovering from an undisclosed health issue. At that time, drummer Steve Jordan was named as Watts' substitute. The Rolling Stones shared a message regarding Watts' passing, stating, quote, It is with immense sadness that we announce the death of our beloved Charlie Watts. He passed away peacefully in a London hospital earlier today surrounded by his family. Charlie was a cherished husband, father, and grandfather, and also as a member of the Rolling Stones, one of the greatest drummers of his generation. End quote. Watts replaced original Stones drummer Mick Avery in January 1963, less than a year after the band's formation. Watts was behind the kit for all of the Rolling Stones shows from January 12, 1963, through a final performance with the band that took place at Miami's Hard Rock Stadium on August 30, 2019. Watts also appeared on all of the band's studio recordings. The Rolling Stones have released 25 studio albums over the years dating back to their self-titled debut in 1964. Their unparalleled output includes iconic LPs Let It Bleed, Sticky Fingers, Exile on Main Street, Emotional Rescue, and Tattooed You. Watts' last appearance on a Rolling Stones studio album stands for now as Blue and Lonesome, an album released in 2016 featuring blues covers. Charlie's solid, unflashy style was the backbone of the group's sound, anchoring the Rolling Stones as they became one of Grok's greatest and top-selling bands. Watts' signature drumming can be heard on such classic hits as I Can't Get No Satisfaction, Sympathy for the Devil, Jumpin' Jack Flash, Brown Sugar, You Can't Always Get What You Want, and Honky Tonk Women, among many, many others. Remembrances and memorials to Charlie have been pouring in from around the world of music and beyond. His bandmates Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, and Ronnie Wood were among those who posted on social media, as did touring member Carl Denson. Others who paid tribute to Watts include the Beatles, Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr, Grateful Dead drummer, Bill Kreutzmann, The Police drummer, Stuart Copeland, The Doors drummer, John Densmore, The Roots drummer, Questlove, Red Hot Chili Peppers drummer, Chad Smith, Black Keys drummer, Patrick Carney, as well as Elton John, Brian Wilson, George Porter Jr., Patti Smith, The Who, and many, many others who also posted in honor of Charlie. Several bands paid musical tribute to Watts following the news of his passing. Dave Matthews' band debuted a cover of Satisfaction in New Hampshire while Wilco enlisted Sleater Kenny's Corn Tucker for a cover of Honky Tonk Women in Boston. And Jason Isbell and the 400 unit dedicated their encore in Indianapolis to Charlie by busting out covers of Moonlight Mile and Can't You Hear Me Knockin'. Undoubtedly one of the all-time great drummers who was beloved by fans and fellow musicians alike, Charlie Watts was the coolest member of the coolest rock band in history. Rest easy, Charlie. Now let's get to my interview with Devinder and Noah, who I spoke to recently from their separate homes in Los Angeles. The pair of longtime collaborators discussed making their new ambient album, Refuge, which is the first release under both of their names. We talked about what inspired them to make the album, what influences they brought to the project, and how the record came together during the COVID-19 pandemic. We covered many other topics over the course of our chat, which we'll lead into now with a bit of the Refuge track, Into Clouds. Banhart. Uh Noah is going to join us here in a minute. We're going to talk about their new collaborative album Refuge, which comes out tomorrow. Uh, Friday, really? August 13th. Yeah. Uh,
1: I didn't know it came out tomorrow.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah.
1: I um, just keep going, oh late late in the week, like right? at the yes. end of the week. It's coming soon. Tomorrow. Yeah. 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 I just thought you know that's how I am. I I I I don't even know where I'm playing on even on the day of the show. It's like where are you playing?
0: I don't know, uh, somewhere later. You know, I'm really like that. Back before everything got all messed up with the pandemic, whenever I did talk to a musician, one of my favorite things to ask was, do you know where you're playing tomorrow? Because <laughs> a lot of times we would do interviews like backstage at gigs they were having. And so like, and I think it's about 50% <laughs> knew, knew exactly where yeah. they were playing the following day. And, 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 and most of the time, you know, at least half the time it seemed like they didn't know.
1: Well, I'm envious of those the other the other fifty percent that know where they're playing. <laughs> it sounds nice to know where you're playing, and you know it's it's a, it, it's how, it's embarrassing to to genuinely not know where you're playing. It isn't like a conscious thing, but I was kind of uh, relieved and 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 comforted by a story my dad told me uh, two weeks ago. I went to visit him in Hollywood, Florida, and he um, Florida, of course, which is a whole yeah. other. Disaster there. Number one and freaking, (laughs) you know, the variant. But um, he's doing his thing in his little, very sheltered uh, world. But anyways, he told me the story that when I was a kid and we just moved to America, I wanted to see a basketball game, like the the finals, the Lakers versus someone. Uh And I was just so excited. Please, Pop, can can you get the pay-per-view so I can see this big basketball game, the big final? you know, and he was like, sure. I mean, I wasn't even really a sports kid, but it was like, please, so important to see this game it got in my head. And he set me up to to watch it. And then he, okay, cool. And he, I'm watching the game, watch game. He goes off, he's doing his thing. He comes back and it's towards the end, he's like, so who's winning? And I looked at him and I said, I have no idea. <laughs> you know, I have no idea. But, but, but he said that I looked at him, not like, Oh, I wish I knew. It was like, why even bother asking me that yeah. question? What are you talking about? Who's winning? Who? That's like, not important. I th- yeah. yeah. Who? Who cares who's winning? I have no clue who's winning. I'm just like watching this game. And then, and then when he made, it, he told me that story. I thought, fuck, that is truly how I am. Like, what? what the record is coming? I have no idea. It's. I <laughs> swear to you, I did not know it was coming out tomorrow. You know, it's just like coming out. Okay, at some point, cool. It's. Not, I don't necessarily know. So I felt a little bit better for being so, um, for my whole life. So kind of,
0: yeah, that seems like a pretty cool, it seems like a cool way of looking at the world. Um, you you know, (laughs) seeing it from a, from a different perspective, it seems like.
1: Uh, well, I don't know, but yeah, it gets you into trouble. That's for sure. And it's not (laughs) good for like being on time. I also have a tendency to delete every text because in my mind it looks cleaner like I have a phone oh. with no text. I'm just like, oh, nice. Like I clean the room. And then See, of course yeah. it's like, did did you notice that text? Or what's your, I'll just get, te- and then I'll get texts that go like, so the, what's the answer? Like, <laughs> I, I don't, what's the text again? Or, or where were you? You know what I mean? I just delete, they're all dates and places to be. But so that's an impulse. It doesn't really work. It, it, it kind of works against me in those respects.
0: <laughs> I ha- I have to keep my t- old text messages because it serves as like a, a backup for my memory these days. <laughs>
1: totally. Me too. Me too. So it's like I'm erasing. I'm trying. I'm erasing my memory. It's not very practical.
0: <laughs> it looks like uh, Noah's joining us. So I'm going to let him in.
1: Hi, Noah. Hello. Hi. Hi, Noah. Hi. So sorry. No worries. So Sorry. So sad. so sorry, can wait. <clears throat> mm. I'm Andy. Nice mm. to meet
2: you. Noah, nice to meet you. Thank you for, for doing this, and thank you for bearing with me.
0: No worries. Uh-huh. Where where am I uh, speaking to you from?
2: I am in now. I am in my little studio in my backyard in Los Angeles.
0: In Los Angeles, in so Mount you guys,
2: Washington.
0: You guys are both in Los Angeles. Then I, I was mm-hmm. telling Devendra, I'm in I'm in Minneapolis.
2: Oh, beautiful many The Walker. Um, yeah, the Walker. That's the last time
0: oh, right. I was there. Um, actually, actually, really? You there for a long time? I've been here about four years now. Um
2: what, what do you what do you That's say time.
0: i think you're ready to move on you know i usually last about six years i was in chicago for six mm-hmm. years and then seattle for six years and now we've been here for about four so it's it's starting you know i'm getting the itch uh, but i love it here it's That's great right. it, it, it's it's cool i mean it's definitely been tough the past year we haven't been able to really fully experience everything but um yeah. it is beautiful we get a we get to go up north uh near the boundary waters and, and get away and, and uh, beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Up there. Boundary waters So mysterious. I love Six it. It's leaks cannon falls.
2: Uh, I think that's what it's called one time.
0: Yeah. Were uh, were you working? Is that where psychoderma is? where you working there? Uh, y- yes, that studio, I think it's the,
2: it's out that sort of destination, like where the Nirvana record was, was made, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> yes. I was out there. It's like, like very beautiful I, you know it was yeah. um and to be kind of cloistered away up there it was what were you tracking it, it was it was um do you remember mason jennings i knew remember it i was guy? gonna or say you know? was
1: it the mason jennings record yeah that's what i figured well he's
2: from minneapolis so it makes sense mm.
0: ah, ah. it brings it all together well i was up. we were Devinder and i before you joined us we were talking about your record uh refuge that comes out tomorrow um yeah. which is very exciting um
2: so it's very it, abstract. It, it's weird to uh, like. I I sort of didn't know I, until a couple of days ago it came out tomorrow. But <laughs> that's what like, I said. I don't, he told yeah. me. I've
1: been thinking it's late in the week. Late in the week. I don't know. But it's And now know, here you know,
2: we are.
0: Late in the week. <laughs>
2: maybe it's because I associate like things of like uh, you know pre end of the world things like a record release thing. You know, it's something that like m- like physical that happens that marks a release of some sort. And this is just mm-hmm. kind of happening and just sort of separate from us and like you know I'm not gonna do anything different tomorrow it's right. the same kind of day.
0: Right. except you'll be Probably able to stream it on you'll, you'll be able to stream it on Spotify <laughs> right <laughs> that,
2: that's and the, the main, main will Be obsessively uh, tech review sites yeah right, right. right.
0: Um, yeah is it yeah. is it accurate that this is the first album that you two have put out under both of your names yeah mm-hmm. Is it the
2: is it the first we made records together? All of
1: yeah, I mean, you've worked together a a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. But this is our first, both of our names, and 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 rightfully so, because um, they're half of Noah's compositions, half of mine, and they're kind of intertwined through the record. But half of them are Noah's and half are mine. Yeah, so it it made so much sense.
2: Typically, Devendra has this narcissistic uh, impulse to put his only his own name on a record that he is completely written. And uh, I actually I,
1: I, am I'm, I'm going to, I'm recall, I'm going to just cross out your name on every, I have wide yeah. out my record. My versions come with wide out too. <laughs> that's the deluxe, super name.
2: deluxe version. It's, you I was, I, I wanted it. my name
1: twice. I, I, that's what I was hoping
0: for. You could sell different versions and, and have you get, the, you get to choose whose name is on it. <laughs>
2: oh, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. But I'll pay you uh, to
0: make sure it's just my name, okay? That's, that's, the, think, that's the guarantee. There you go.
2: I think we know who would, who would win that particular uh, game.
0: So uh, did you <laughs> initially set out to make something that you knew was going to be collaborative and sort of 50-50, or did it happen naturally? Um, we were talking we about this record did. for a long time, you know, we
1: wanted to make this record for a long time. And I feel like it's the, the, it really, really is the right kind of music for us to be making together in this capacity. Cause we worked together for so many years, like two, over two decades yeah in that kind of role of um it's still a very similar role but it's, but it's a little more it's a little but it's different which is you know Noah's producing and playing and um and conducting and I'm kind of writing the words and and the the, the bulk of the music let's say but for this kind of music it's so perfect that it's totally shared because mm-hmm. What I, how I write and how he writes are quite different, but they, they kind of work together when they're all t- placed in the same uh, pea pod you know. And um, I have an aspiration to do a new n- n- another one. And Noah seemed pretty excited. I he probably forgot, but I wanted like I was I want to, to do we want to do a covers record of songs. Like actually, originally I wanted to have on this record a version of Dark Star, like an ambient Dark Star, like sick. maybe like. You know I don't know a five hour dark star is that's just like the most the mellowest dark star
2: well, and you need that to, that. Led to dark <laughs> okay
1: maybe we should do a record of all our favorite childhood songs but put them in, in an in a in a in a you know clothe them in um the kind of cloth of ambient music
0: mm-hmm
2: is Dark Star one of your, your one of the songs? As a child, you just yeah.
1: My parents, or <laughs> my mom used to sing it. You know. oh,
2: wow, man, you are so musically advanced. It's just it's so hey, my daughter a child that for me
1: it. though. By the way, I hosted I heard Dark Star when I was in Caracas. Well,
0: my kids, I didn't know it was the dead because wow, it was.
1: This one hundred percent true. You on the street in Caracas, like Canal Street in New York or something. There's like you know CDs, burned CDs that are being sold with DVDs and stuff. And I bought this album mm-hmm. that looked CD. It looked kind of cool. It was a red cover. It, was like, it looked like a kind of a wizard, and it was all pixelated. Anyways, it didn't say anything else. That's it. And I and and it was Live Dead. And the first song is Dark Star. And I was like, it's yeah. the best thing in the world. I don't even know about this Grateful Dead, but this song is really good. So this is a true story. So I did. I, I would.
2: And we're gonna put Dark Star. Briefly, it was the Venezuelan national anthem under one of the regimes.
1: <laughs> it's true. And The Dead covered that, actually.
0: People don't realize that. It yeah. did. It, it, there's like a 22-minute version. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so the, the record's name is, is, is Refuge. And at the start of the pandemic, I found myself listening to ambient music, um, I found it very soothing. I found that music with words didn't, I, I was having trouble relating to. Um, what's the significance of the album's title for you as it, as it applies to the, to the project as a whole?
1: Well, Noah, I'll let you answer this, but I will say something you just mentioned, which is quite interesting and I can really relate to, was when right at the beginning of the, of, the, of the pandemic, I remember looking at all, like all, all TV shows where yeah. people aren't wearing masks and are really close to each other, being like, "This is," it was like, it's horrifying," and it was really bizarre to see. And it felt like, "Okay, that's it. This is like that's like pre-pandemic media." I can't mm-hmm. even. I, now, of course, I, I'm like, I've been watching Veep like for the billionth time. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy to watch all this shit, but at that time, there was a very strong distinction. Like, whoa, this is. Yeah. I can't even watch any of this stuff now. That it because it's not addressing what's happening in a way,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Or, or, or it's just ignoring it. You know. Right. And, and I just, it would freak me out. Uh, so I could totally relate to that thing. Well, you were saying with songs with lyrics and stuff. And like, mm-hmm. uh, for me, it was like watching some show or something. But I guess, you know, uh, you're listening to a song and it's talking about like out there on the street, like having a good time or something. You're just like, what is this? I can't relate to this anymore. Right. So I can totally, it's really interesting. I remember I had that similar thing.
2: I've, uh, I've actually, if I watch a show that's from before I, um, I take the time to kind of use CGI to put masks on all the people. <laughs> before I watch it just so I can feel like I relate to it better
0: but so like, when did you that, guys come you watch the well, movie
2: the mask no that's the only actually that's the only movie I have
0: watched <clears throat> that's that's it's a doc, well it's a documentary and I still oh, see oh, yeah,
2: the the mask
0: it was it was, it was uh it was prophetic that that film it turns out um but uh, so when did you guys come up with that title, though? And, and, and how does it, how does it apply to the, the album itself?
2: We like the title and the concept of it sort of predated this mm. uh, current apocalypse uh, and it originally had um, Well, it's a minute you can tell you, you speak about it more eloquently than I, our original idea. Um, well, we still, began- you, you have a whole feel and it's good.
1: Well, we, I have Spielberg here. I, know. we we recently, <laughs> what accent is that?
2: Yeah, oh, he needs to say it with an accent too.
1: So okay. Um, no, we, we had read an article because Noah and I like to get together and read articles together.
2: <laughs> yeah, we list the Dark Star as children and read articles. But they're red, like literally the
1: color, as long as that doesn't matter what they're about. And um, this was about how, as ice caps melt, they'll give off certain pitches, certain t- tones. Very high pitches, of course.
2: But like it's something like... Sure you, is creaking the well creaking against each other or something. Right? Yeah. Is, is this yeah. That, friction,
1: that friction creates a, 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 a very high-pitched note that, that oscillates as it melts. And we thought, holy shit, like there's a, there's a music to ecological degradation. And what if we made a record where we went around recording some of those examples Mm
0: -hmm.
1: where you can hear, you know, um, this, this kind of, um, ecological crisis, you know, manifested through sound and we would then turn those sounds into something very soothing and beautiful because you know those raw sounds would be just um, not like a nice sound or an ambient sound so we thought that this is what's interesting here it's basically let's capture some of the sounds of of a of a, of a dying planet in a way and so we made a map of different places where we knew we could get some some sound or if anything be in the proximity of a place like maybe the great barrier reef where you're just getting actually just kind of an underwater sound. You're not necessarily hearing, uh, you know, obviously coral dying or anything, but you're in the idea is to collect these field recordings of some of these hotspots and then turn that into an ambient record. And it was so obvious that the record would be called Refuge, you know? Okay. Like the planet as our refuge. Yeah, of I see. And it was so, so much about travel. The whole record was about traveling around, mm-hmm. collecting these sounds. And then, of course, you know, then, of course, lockdown began and it completely changed the, um, the the, the, theme of the record. And with making so the refuge it, is still applicable, you know, it's yes, still, still yes. very much applicable because then we started to, you know, then, it, then the question became, you know, for the first time, we all really know what's going on in the planet. Everybody knows about COVID. Everybody knows about lockdown. Everybody knows what they maybe should be doing, necessarily not what they are doing, but what they should be. Like it's suddenly we are really utilizing this immediate ability to communicate really effectively. Whoa, this is what's happening. We all know it, but it's an individual um, question. It's more, it's much more uh, subjective to ask oneself, what is your refuge in this time? You know, where are you taking refuge? Uh-huh, and so it's, in a way, an album where you can set the scene to ask yourself that question, you know, it, it, you know because for for us, music is clearly a refuge, you know, and nature is a refuge, something that we certainly didn't have at the beginning of the pandemic, and there was this desire to go to go, to get out of town, but we couldn't. And so in some ways, I think some of our compositions also reflect that. Um, I think Noah was planning to go to Greece, and I was planning to go to India and bhutan and um some of those titles in their songs reflect that that kind of that um longing to, to 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 go visit to go on pilgrimage
0: so were the are the song titles that are location based are they sort of sonic representations of that
2: i wouldn't say explicitly well, at least for me uh, maybe the Defender the uh, sur cave is one to mind you you should talk about but no you know i i feel like at least for my pieces on there they're very kind of just gestural there's nothing too literal about them there's nothing too um specific about you know them in terms of any particular place or okay uh anything like that but um it was just more of um you know we david and i are both extremely lucky that we we have our own physical refuge in this time when there's you know a, a, a pretty dangerous time a time where things are pretty crazy and definitely um and we are both very fortunate to to have our own refuges from which we can you know draw that the feeling and and, and turn it into this record so we we had the physical refuge of our own homes, mm-hmm. which are uh, uh, you know, and and the refuge of the ability to not have to be out and scrambling for to to feed ourselves. You know, like yeah. we we're coming from a place where we understand that we have a massive amount of comfort and privilege, and and so the anxiety was kind of external. You know, it was it was this hypothetical because it was really having people were dying and getting sick and and, and you know we know some of them. um mm-hmm. but the, the panic was it was sort of more existential uh in some ways at least for me and recognizing that i have i have a refuge i have this place because i'm so lucky in this life yeah. and and if i can project that somehow in this music and have that music be imbued with that a little bit I, i'm not fooling myself into thinking it's a refuge for someone who has no home and needs has no food um, but maybe I can just give someone you know through the music a little bit of a uh, impart that feeling of the refuge that of my own refuge into the music and maybe on on them
0: that that's beautiful um you the when you talk about ambient music or new age music it often is kind of associated with with an electronic sound Um, I've in, in this record, there's definitely like some synth drone, but there's definitely, you can hear individual instruments. Um, It almost gives it a more organic sound. I feel like, Um, was that part of the intent of kind of drawing on nature and, and, and having it be, uh, have more of a natural sound?
1: Well, one of the uh, catalysts for, really starting to map out how to make this record that, um, we had really felt that we were going to make when we first met over 20 years ago, but we've just been doing all these other things in that time. But one of the moments where we started to really, let's get serious about making this record, this is before the pandemic. Noah and I were in Kyoto at a temple called Honen Inn. And we we were really lucky and we got to record a tune there that never made on the record. But we were in that space, in the main Zendo, actually. Um, and every 10 minutes, you'd hear like, boom, like a clack of wood sound, just like a. Okay. <sniffs> mm-hmm. and, and at first it's like, you don't notice it. And then you start to notice it and you go, oh, it's that. And then we realized... That, you know, the temple was built in this perfect way where it just flows into into the outdoors, into the the garden outside. And in the garden, there's a stream. And the stream, there's a little, like, tiny piece of bamboo that's leading a little bit of water down into a little well. And as the well fills up, when it fills up high enough, uh, uh, it, it releases a lever and a piece of wood falls down and makes that sound. And and that sound, it's just, just wake up. It's just be here, you know, and, and it's like, that's what it's designed to do. And we thought, wow, what if we can kind of infuse that kind of feeling in, in the record without it being so kind of abrupt, you know, it, does, it doesn't have to be so austere, but it could be a gentle way of creating that kind of environment that we were so enamored with when we were in, uh, in Kyoto. Yeah, so I, I think that it, it, was, it wasn't
2: really a conscious thing to use um to use acoustic instruments um for any particular effect but i think it has the effect of you're aware of there being a person playing it um yes. whereas a synthesizer it's almost like the person is superfluous in a way you don't think of someone sitting when you hear a synthesizer at least i don't think of the person sitting there playing the keys of the synthesizer i i picture this so you know this uh tomita robot creature you know spewing these yeah. synthetic and i i love that stuff and there is some of that on the record too but when you when you hear it, you can't help but sort of feel it. someone's fingers and are, are you know manipulating it and so it, it does feel more personal and, and closer you know to you in a way to me um and that's not always maybe what someone wants to go for, uh, maybe you, uh, some ambient records, you want to remove the idea of the specific person playing the instrument. Maybe that's part of the idea. Right. Um, but I, I felt like for this, the, the, the kind of music that I wanted to make for this, uh, um, I didn't want it to feel anonymous really. I mean, the people themselves might be anonymous, but I wanted to feel, like familiar because you're familiar with the idea of someone playing an instrument. You know what that looks like. It feels like. And, um, it's a, it's a very human thing.
0: That's, that's interesting. Well, I, I don't know if I would have thought of that, but it it definitely does give it a a sense. Like you said, there like a familiarity almost like the, you, you hear that sound of a pedal steel guitar or, or, or a piano, and it, it, it does bring you some sort of, um, like I said, familiarity of sound, right? It it, it, well, it centers you a little bit.
1: I agree with there's familiarity of sound. We recognize, mm-hmm. you know, these certain instruments, you can hear a synth, I know a synth, a harp, you know, that's very familiar. But um, in particular, I think the pedal steel, we're so yeah. lucky to have Nicole Lawrence, who we play with, is a great friend, yeah. who's just a shredder and plays the pedal steel, It's just really a difficult instrument. Yeah. And that instrument is um, the it's often used in in the context of country music played quite fast, but uh, there's a recording by Buddy Edmonds doing Wild Mountain Time, uh, just solo playing the um, pedal steel, and it is really I think one of the great ambient pieces, one of the great new age pieces. Mm-hmm. So I highly recommend that. We knew um, that you know hearing that Buddy Buddy Edmonds Wild Mountain Time, I, I, okay, wow, we need pedal steel, and then. That was years ago. And then and then later, especially at the beginning of lockdown, Nicole really got into it. I mean, she really just became very disciplined with, with her pedal steel playing. So it really was so obvious to, to add this really familiar sound, the pedal steel, but I think to play it and to utilize it in its more ethereal, kind of celestial qualities, yes. it, it really, really works well, I think with with.
0: Yeah she she sounds incredible on the album. I'm a little bit obsessed well, yeah, with pedal steel be, right now and it's it, I love it. It sounds great.
2: Yeah, you can get these really big great washes of sound, really pads almost out of it that that yeah. you would normally maybe look to a synth, uh, you know, to provide. But again, it's like you uh, I I'm a little more I'm aware of the player behind that and also there it's such a wild uh, full body instrument that it, there is a kind of physicality to, to playing it, and the way the notes bend mm-hmm. and all, all that stuff. And I, I feel the the kind of human moving
0: in it more than a,
2: necessarily with a a synth pad or just a big wash of reverb or whatever you know.
0: Definitely. And so at at what point in the recording process? did you bring Nicole in or, or Mary Lattimore on harp or some of the other people that were the additional musicians, were they, you said she was, I guess, were they brought in early on when you were making the the songs or was were the songs sort of complete and then you had them add after the fact, how, how were they involved in the process?
2: I think that was different for both, for either of us, each of us. Okay. Uh, like for, for mine, I, Pretty much had all of the parts written. Um, like for the harp parts, I had done on a you know like a synth harp, and mm-hmm. I, then I transcribed them and sent them to Mary to do to, to give. And I allowed her; I gave her the license to definitely like look. I you know I do yeah. not play harp. This is the part, but please make it your own as as much or as little as you want to and She definitely did, and so. It elevated it, like you know, immeasurably. and and same with Nicole, I did like a a kind of fake pedal steel, which I've been playing fake pedal steel for my whole <laughs> life. I think the first time I did it, like uh, on record was probably Joanna's first record. Um, I played you know, just this I just like volume swell, fake. Uh, pedal steel on one of the songs on the milk guide mender record. And I've been doing it ever since.
0: No, wait, I got to ask the, when you it. say fake pedal steel, are you saying like you, you play a pedal steel, No, no. an actual one? No, play, so like it's a... just an electric guitar that I manipulate ruthlessly
2: until it somewhat <laughs> okay. approximates like a really shitty pedal steel. Player. So an
0: actual fake pedal steel. <laughs> it's
2: actually totally fake. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it begins with a guitar. The guitar is real.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> okay. But that's about it.
2: Um, and so i yeah i so i made i was like this is the idea these are the kind of notes that i want um Mm -hmm. with this kind of motion i sent it to nicole and then she you know made it infinitely better and and played i was like oh yeah this, this is what i was hinting at and you did it beyond my imagination and expectations
1: Like I don't have a, a grand a piano. I don't have a nice I don't have a piano at all. Um because I've always wanted to get one of those uh fiberglass pianos, like in nineties music videos, you'll see some with a like a see-through piano. Yeah. Oh my god, that'd be so pretty. Or like one of those very light, light wood um um uh, a Yamaha pianos, stand-ups, mm-hmm. that are, that, that, that are, this is two particular pianos, right? I, I haven't come across them, right? I really want to get those pianos. <laughs> point is, I don't have a piano. Got a, Anybody got a out knowledge. there
0: listening, if you have one. Yeah, okay.
1: listening? <laughs> can, can I get a see-through, light wood, <laughs> fiberglass, <laughs> <Yeah>. again, Hinoki, <laughs> Pinoki fiberglass piano. Oh, right. Right. So... <laughs> Uh, I don't have a piano. I've got a Mellotron. On. <laughs> so I got it on my piano setting, and I compose a, a, I'd be composing on that and then sending it to, to, you know, even if I had a real piano, I would never be near nowhere near as good as Tyler Cash, who's a lovely friend and an amazing piano player. He's a, he's a worse friend than a piano player. He's a lovely friend and a lovely piano player. And, and so I would comp- write these, you know, these these pieces, the demos basically on the Mellotron and, and just send them over. And then he would, uh, he would properly, properly play them. So that was kind of how my process worked. I, what I played was uh, all the electric guitar stuff and, and some of the more textural synth stuff and then kind of putting together, like, it's funny cause Noah, when Noah mentioned that one of, some of his titles, some of them, even though I think a lot of them have, have this titles, there's more there, there's much, it's, he's kind of being, I think, uh, humble by saying uh, that they're more gestural or, you know, but I think there's a lots of titles, but the point is when you say that yours are gestural, um, it's funny because, you know, the, the music is definitely not gestural. Your music is very, very tightly composed, you know, and I feel like my, the my compositions are quite impressionistic. They're quite gestural. They're kind of shh. But the titles, I think, are—I are, might have put more work into the titles than the
0: songs. Actually, um, I was going to ask about the titles because I feel like they play a larger role when it's a largely instrumental album. Um, they, 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 yeah. they can convey more to the listener, right?
2: Yeah, they're the only words associated with the songs. So that's very true. So, you
0: so we you can have you... an
1: instrumental song that's called uh, "Untitled." number one mm-hmm. or search party for a, a girl still missing. Yeah. You know, it's going to change the way you hear it. Definitely.
2: Or a search party season three coming up. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: I never saw that. I've never seen that show. It's really good. It's really good.
0: With, so in, in sort of that same regard, um, you know the the titles convey something to the listener but with this type of album too you're probably more likely to have the listener listen to the whole thing at once um was the sequencing of the tracks something that you guys talked about a lot or worked on a lot or 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 was it a major consideration
2: well back to the titles just for one time there's one sure. title that i that maybe you know, Dimitri. You said I was uh, I was going to go to Greece. I had no specific plans to go to Greece. I'm I'm Greek. I have a specific plan to get Greek citizenship, so I can you know flee this country the next <laughs> when when that inevitably becomes necessary. Um, but um, in a cistern, a cistern, you know, that, a cistern. There's something about that that evokes like an old, to me, kind of more Roman or something like a, an ancient
0: ancient yeah, watery
2: yeah. you know like. Uh, what but um and i guess yeah so i i think that and it, there's harp and uh you know it, d- it does have this kind of like almost like faux uh ancient uh music set like uh you know i don't know uh, vibe to it slightly um i like to think of more of it as like a lou harrison vibe but that's me wishful thinking probably but um but then uh so i called it this in a cistern and then I had known this, but it was not a conscious thing when I, that uh, one of my former, the teacher I had in grad school at Mills College was Pauline Oliveros. And she had this whole concept of deep listening, which is like mm-hmm. very focused, uh, like listening to all sound. It's a very like conscious, active listening. Right. And she was my teacher and she kind of ta- taught me uh, and all of us all about that concept. And it was very influential. I mean, it was like a whole new concept. to I me. Mean, the whole thing was... But she came up with that title actually as a, a deep listening as a pun because one of her first records, she was lowered into an abandoned underground cistern in Washington State to record, and it's it had like some insane like two minute long reverb or something there, and it sounds totally uh-huh. nuts. Nice. And and I came upon that after we were done with the record, and I had known about that record, but I didn't think about it. I was like, oh, she was in a cistern, and this is like one of my great musical influences. Uh-huh. And I called this piece in a cistern, but I really did not. It's not a conscious thing. I didn't put it together. Oh, wow. Until after the fact. Um. So it's like a retroactive, retros. Uh, yeah. A retroactive um tribute to her. An unconscious tribute to her. I guess.
0: That's um, that's really cool.
2: Oh, the sequencing. We yes. we didn't. It kind of just happened pretty organically. Like we thought about it a little bit, but we we didn't have a ton of back and forth, right? If I remember, we we had a pretty similar idea of what how we wanted it to go.
1: Well, I think um, I, I, I,
2: I yeah. I
1: think it's more that we worked on the sequence for a while independently, and then we're surprised that they were quite uh, on, uh, you know
0: quite similar. And when you were making the yeah. album, were you guys in the same place while you were doing it? I I I think I read that you were Never. since it was the the pandemic, you, you, were, you were Never. separate. Not Never one. in the
1: same place. Um and, and you know what? I want to say something about titles because I I wonder one you thing really I've not mentioned know, drive is like, yeah, Noah lives right actually. Look, I'm gonna reach over, reach <laughs> over <laughs> past Andy. And then,
0: He's in the room next yeah. door. I'm glad that's amazing. There we are back. There we go. Wow, you guys are close. <laughs>
1: um, you know that it like in in Tibet, uh it's so the altitude is so high, then um there's a tradition of having sky burials where uh the mm-hmm. corpse is taken up a mountain and hacked into bits and um vultures will come and, and and eat the the corpse. And that's um what sky burial is about, you know, imagining that 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 experience but of course there's much more to it and you know on a, as a metaphor you know and also but also as a physical just a physical action i remember seeing an interview with one of the the, the, the under overtakers actually the overtakers what? that performs the sky burial and they were like really you know you i kind of i thought it was kind of funny because i'm I, i'm using it as a spiritual metaphor here you know, we, mm-hmm. we like, let's say we bury our old self and we are reborn, let's say, or we, you know, a, a sky burial is a way of, of, of some sort of, you know, spiritual renewal, you know, but but <laughs> for this this undertaker, he's, he's like, before I, I do a, a sky burial, I just get as drunk as I possibly can. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, you know how hard it is to have to like <laughs> chop the leg off someone you know? And their arms and their neck, and then wait till a bird starts like eating their marrow in front of you. So I just drink as much chung,
2: <laughs> just like wow. as I
1: possibly can.
0: That's amazing.
2: That <laughs> is so funny. Um,
0: do you guys listen to a lot of ambient music yourselves?
2: I'm out of here. <laughs> Not only do I listen, we read what? about it. Oh wow. Oh, yeah. Every day. Wow.
0: Uh, I actually have I'm gone a, through this book. I've no, no, gone no, no, through this book. The, hold there on. Explain, explain what the book is because people listening well, won't, won't know what you're holding up. Book. Oh, but, but, it's a famous what, book. Like, what, it's, what is it? it? it it's, it's, it's okay.
1: This is the New Age Music Guide profiles and recordings of 500 top New Age musicians, written by Patty Jean what year did it? This came oh, out what, in, what I, mean, I guess, it? like 92, but me. me. let me see. Uh, this came Sounds out. Like- uh, 1989. 89.
0: Okay.
2: To
1: those whose dream dreams. Perfect. That is perfect. And have the courage to make them come true. To those whose dream dreams. Isn't that nice? Oh. And I'm telling you, there are li- there's like just, it goes those on dream- and on and on. Like, and I have gone through every person in this book. This is an A to Z, by the way. And, I, and I've listened. I've listened to every person in this book. I remember I just sat there and I just went through every person. So, you know, and it's all terrible.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but,
0: but do you have, do you have influences? Did, did, did any influences from other people that make this type of music? You mentioned um, a couple of people, Noah, but um, are, are, what, did you come into it with sort of a, a, a background that you, that you were influenced by?
2: Well, the, the people that I'm in, yeah, like Pauline Oliveros and Lou Harrison would would be um, would be very disappointed to to be referred to as New Age musicians, <laughs> I think. Or maybe, they actually, they probably would not care at all. But a lot of other people that are not them would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? If I tried to say that they were New Age musicians who influenced me, because they were very much not New Age musicians. Mm-hmm. But the, what they were, like, Pauline Oliveros, her concept of deep listening, to me, that is like, fundamental to like you know ambient music anyways i mean that's like you know listening to every single sound with intention every single little thing um and lou harrison's music was this cross-cultural you know to use a disgusting word fusion of of influences but his music was very you know rigorous it was very uh it is not all of it some of it is is really just just beautiful. Some of it requires a very active listening experience, mm-hmm. um, but and I would not say that the music I wrote for this, or I'm not even capable of writing music on the level that they did. Um, so, so their influences, I feel like, are less specifically musical, um, with a, a little bit of exception, and more um, uh, more conceptual. And that's why I say the music is gestural. You're right, that it, that it is composed, but it is uh, i understand that the music that i wrote for this is very very simple um simplistic even i mean like um and then that was an exercise for me coming from a, an academic music background mm-hmm. um where this kind of music really is kind of rejected for the most part um yeah. like uh, but w- within that there are exceptions like Terry Riley is a, a friend and a huge influence on me and his music is is beautiful and it's sometimes yeah. totally wild and and crazy but it is also beautiful um but you know I would not say like stockhausen's music is like beautiful particularly that's not uh, he might have offended if you said it was beautiful i don't know you know like mm-hmm. um or Sabat, martin spottnick's music that's not the their, their guiding principle was not that and i think that that is just a different um a different, uh, goal that, that they were going for. And my goal on this was just to, to I want it to be it's beautiful. That's cool. Someone thinks that I, you know, I don't know, but I, like I wanted it to be composed, but very simple, um, and evocative of maybe one simple thought idea or, or emotion or something. Um, so in that way, it's just like, this is a gesture. These, this is it. So this is a small little thing nothing right. grand about this it's just this is what it is a little
0: elemental t- right yeah sure nice I mean, way that sounds thinking, yeah? too
2: like grand maybe you know oh. like i don't know like, yeah it sounds heavy like, you know like yeah. well i just meant
1: that but like, i know what he means andy means i actually i like how andy means it though i i, I he means you know like this is the the basic box of the earth these are the elements the main the principal yeah.
2: elements yeah maybe like the periodic table of elements so I'm just this <laughs> magnesium this song magnesium if you like magnesium then you're gonna like the song if you don't, I mean, you
1: don't that's, that's great please let's just put that the on essential the essential elements the record yeah. comes out tomorrow we still have a couple minutes to to put a, a, a sticker on there if you I'm like still, mag- magnesium still, essential
2: yeah. elements right that's yeah, the, yeah we've, if we, if we you like magnesium it yeah. says essential elements not essential oils or yeah exactly or like
1: let's drop amino acids uh, and acid too actually why not but I'm, I'm still just always vying for guaranteed not cursed I really want that to be a sticker on an album I've been trying that for like 10 years and Noah does the face he's making right now like ugh shut up but okay so my answer to that is um that uh you know there are some clear influences and the main one for me is harold budd who's really someone whose music i've listened to for so long so much and in a way i made the record wanting to share with harold but he died he died of COVID halfway uh, while we were finishing it and um it's really strange when you have it, 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 he's not the only person i knew that died of COVID. my good friend hal wilner and Diego, Diego Cortez, who was died of something else, but it was made worse by also having contracted COVID, and and uh, I haven't been to any of these friends of mine's memorials because you know you can't have them, and it's uh, it's a very strange kind of experience of mourning. You realize how much it is, how important it is to be uh, together during those kinds of ceremonies and rituals. Very important. I didn't realize that but uh, Harold would be a big one and and I really feel like my compositions were made hoping to definitely hoping to to share them with him which I'll, I'll never be able to do but uh, other in terms of just uh, made, let's say more music uh, composers who make music that would have influenced or uh, not influenced but maybe inspired uh, the mm-hmm. music uh, uh, on the record for me at least would be you Know Paul Horn or uh R. Carlos Nakai, Steve Roach, um, uh, Brian Eno and 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 um, Roger Eno, uh, you know, Robert, Robert Terman, uh, Ryuchi Sakamoto for sure. For me, you know, there's a lot of you know, people, you know, kind of. I mean there's a lot of people, like I said, I could read everybody from this new age music guide too, but could you? I could. <laughs> let us begin. There's a lot of people I, I, I've never heard of, but there's a lot I'll of I'll tell
2: people. you Paul Horn for sure for me too. My my dad had a my dad played flute. Uh and he had I think it was the Paul Horn, Taj Mahal probably. And mm-hmm. uh, we had that on vinyl when I was a kid and it was like Um, you know uh, uh, among the kind of uh, you know typical like the Beatles records and stuff like that that actually stood out I was you know I just felt like it was from another universe yeah and um, it still kind of yeah those records takes me back
1: they get they get a little um, you know Kind of set pushed aside because they're so ubiquitous at the in the dollar bin section, but uh-huh. really they're yeah. phenomenal. And and I think a lot of people's even introduction to a lot of Eastern sounds came through Paul Horn, uh, yeah. and yeah. and uh, and some of what the things he did are, are actually unbelievable. I really hope that there's a really proper documentary about his his recording in the pyramids. I mean, this is unbelievable stuff, and um, a real seeker and a real you know like uh, like the way John Hassell you know gets a lot of cred deservedly so i think paul horn should also have that and then speaking of lou harrison i was at the lou harrison house i saw Harold budd play there that was was a monumental event and of course those things are going to be have influence they're going to
0: influence us and you also invited some spiritual teachers to to contribute to the album um devender can you tell me about how 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 those um those people came into to be part of the project
1: Well, we we had a long list and um, we started narrowing it down and and we kind of decided that it'd be really cool to ask a few of these, a a few spiritual teachers that I think have um, a wide uh, appeal and that are kind of really practicing what they preach and really feel like their message is very contemporary, but steeped in something very, very tried and true. And, um, we asked Sharon Salzberg, uh, one of the great meditation teachers, um, to, 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 to say a few words and Lama Rod Owens, one of you know, great contemporary, uh, Lama to, um, to, uh, contribute on a track that we did for this calm app. And, um, we also had, um, Swami Shakti Ma, who's a wonderful teacher who's based in Ecuador. Uh, just sing a little bit because actually swami swami is actually a singer you know she she, actually they they play when they have kirtan she's always Mm -hmm. singing with with and so i just thought you know we're, we're friends and we both have this venezuelan connection and i asked her if if she would contribute some vocals um because some of these you know these teachers it sometimes just that proximity really is is so transcendent you can't really put it into words is what i mean like that's where you have someone like yeah. ma like the hugging guru i mean to be yeah. hugged by ma you, is something really trite transcendent i mean it's not she's not even giving you a teaching she's just embracing you with pure love and so that's like wow so sometimes that proximity is so visceral that um that uh having just their presence it, it can be quite beneficial and Shaktinandama is one of those people you're around them and you just go okay wow there's an energy here that's quite different from you're kind of walking around you know going to 7-11 although she might be at 7-11 and but you'll feel that you'll feel there's, there's something something there that's kind of so ugh, i don't know how to put it you know it's transcendent but something really quite tactile and um, we also have my own teacher, um, Netan Chokling Rinpoche, uh, reciting some mantras uh, at the end of one a song called the Sura Cave, which was recorded also in this cave um, a few hours outside of Kathmandu. Um, and that was just an attempt at, like that thing when Noah was saying, you know, it's not that he was planning on going to Greece, but there's, a, you've had that plan to go to to take ocean to Greece for a while, right? And and yeah. and, to, and and I feel and I feel like, you know, we couldn't go anywhere. And some of these songs started to feel like our version of 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 taking that kind of trip in a way, you know, of like going out to that place. And and I and I have this. I do get that sense. I'm going on this strange Grecian pilgrimage on some of your compositions. It it takes me there and it's really fun. It's really amazing. It's really almost cinematic. And of course it's, I'm traveling through time, like even the idea of in a cistern, I'm even seeing these like Grecian urn, giant urns that are being opened up and we go in down and there's an oracle, you know, all these (laughs) archetypes and cliches, but I'm like, it takes me on that journey. So I really enjoy enjoy that aspect of of your tunes. And then for something, a song like Asura Cave, You know, this is me trying to show you what it was like there, you know, and I don't know if it was successfully done, but that's what we were hoping for.
0: of instructions did you give them? Was were, I guess, like how open was the? Did you did you give them very specific things that you asked them to do, or did they or did they have sort yeah. of a, a, an open reign? I guess.
1: We well, it was it was a bit of both of those things. It was mm-hmm. please whatever you want, and then also if you'd like some some guidance, we'd like this to be something that you can. That that kind of floats through the song that does not. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a way that you you may need to listen to the song a few times to even notice that that there's some human voice saying something to you. I know so, exactly. What you mean. So how to do that? How to do something that how can the song exist depending on how your where your focus is? Is this it, it can remain an instrumental or it's a song that has somebody saying something? So that was kind of what we but that would have been that was our challenge once we had once we had the recordings. Um, in terms of what they shared, they're, they're teachers. they their teachers—they know what to share. They know what to say. You, don't, you don't definitely don't need to tell them what to say.
2: And it's to uh, you know to their credit. This is me beating the same drum that the vendor's probably sick. But uh, although I know he agrees completely, none of none of the teachers who appear on the record have since come out with any uh, like <laughs> massively medical uh, misinformation that's like uh, killing people either. So, vendor, to your credit, that you picked ones that are <laughs> not yet it's time but um, yeah, there's a lot of crossover there but not with not with these people well, that's
0: um, terrific
2: and, yeah it is and one of the we actually asked you know we tried to also look sort of outside like uh, I I asked Gary Snyder if he would read something on mm-hmm. uh, and he wrote a really beautiful email back where he was just like it's like, look, I'm super old. Like, the little energy I've got left, I got to keep to myself. But like, it's a big world. Go do that. You go do that shit. You know, like, I gotta. Yeah. I'm, I'm hanging out here in the woods. Leave me alone, kind of thing. But it was very sweet. I feel like I should frame this email and you know, like print it and frame it or something. Um, but of course, you know, he uh, he's you know famously a Buddhist too. So he it's mm-hmm. like um, he's very steeped in that. And all of his his writing comes from the you know you can see that perspective in it. Um, uh, yeah, but I, you know, that, that was Devendra reached out to most of them. And I, 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 uh, even, you know, I, I came from, my parents had and have a guru. And so I, you know, this, I, I grew up with, you know, Eastern spirituality is just kind of like a daily, uh, fact of, of my life. It was nothing ever that seemed exotic or anything like that. Um, it was just like a practical thing like you know my dad would my, my parents would meditate a few hours a day and then he would go work at the post office and and then you know and we'd go we'd take he'd coach the little league team you know it was all just like
0: yeah
2: um but uh, but you know i i do have a high sensitivity toward uh and skepticism toward mystical stuff like uh you know in quotes sure um i'm a fan of uh, you know i of of a type of spirituality that has real world applications in terms of kindness and community and um, looking outward and not at this individualist sort of self-help type of thing where you place yourself above other people, either in the sense that you think you're more evolved spiritually than them or also segregating yourself, uh, you know, spiritual bypass sort of thing where you are, um, you, you, choose you don't have to engage with the troubles of humanity because you are focused solely on raising your consciousness beyond this realm or whatever um yeah,
1: what if yeah somebody it, tunes into the to tunes in right
0: at that moment <laughs> <laughs> no i mean that, that that's beautiful i mean that's that takes you uh, you know it 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 and it almost goes back to what we were talking about before of Incorporating the the world around you and 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 making this record as a way of of looking outward at the world around rather than you know sort of an inward look it um, it, it, right. it, it 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 makes sense there.
1: I would also like to add that one of our ambitions was to. S- to submit um, ambient composition and new age composition, and to an extent also jamming, th- this being a jam related, yeah, right. We wanted to a- a- a submit those as activities, as competitive activities for the next Olympics. <laughs> um, I think having an ambient. Uh, we, we, would, we would be, maybe not at the top of the list, but there should be you know, the representatives for the ambient music community. And also, if it could be a competitive jamming between nations, I think, in the, in the upcoming a, Olympics.
0: As long With as it's you, done to like rhythmic gymnastics or something at the same time. Sure, we can do that.
2: That's going to be part of it. We're not opposed to that. Divindra, would you represent Venezuela or the uh, USA? Was maybe my question.
1: It's a good question, but I'm going... Fiji, man, I'm representing
2: Fiji. Yeah, all right, let's do it. Let's go. Well, and,
0: and maybe, maybe Noah, you'll be be able to represent Greece by then. Yeah, yeah no I yeah, represent maybe. Atlantis. Yeah, the lot they show. Yeah. There you go.
2: Um definitely. Um I represent the Arcturians. Um they okay. are sending me a message right now with this <laughs> podcast very much. And they'd like to tell you that you a lot of money will be coming your way soon.
0: Terrific. <laughs> well, hey guys, thank you so much for talking to me. Um Thanks, I, I really Andy. I really like the album. I think it it's it's a beautiful piece of work. Um I've been listening to it a lot lately, uh, particularly in the mornings. It's it's a nice sort of meditation for me to start my day on um and and i invite everybody out there listening to to check it out and and listen because it's great thanks a lot
1: thanks so much all right right. hopefully we can see out there someday keep on yeah definitely stay
0: safe out there and and hopefully we'll maybe get to do this in person all right bye Andy. thanks cheers guys end of this episode of the jam bass podcast thanks so much to all of you out there for listening thanks also to noah and davinda for taking the time to chat with me get their new album refuge wherever you find good music as always thanks to jake alexander for helping produce the episode we'll be back soon so in the meantime stay safe out there and go see live music